Hello and welcome to the A&A Take with me, Alex, your resident guy with the fro. And me, Adam, your resident, dare I say, journalist. This podcast will bring understanding to what's going on in the world and bring to the table some hot topics for debate while trying to have some fun along the way. So let's get to it. So this podcast is going to try and be a bit of a current affairs type of show, uh, trying to add a bit of insight, a bit of understanding. Um, and obviously there's only one place to start that's only one thing that really is current affairs at the moment. Um, of course, the coronavirus pandemic, which is going on in the United Kingdom. Um, and globally. And of course globally. But we're going to focus on, I think, at least in this week's episode, what's going on in the UK, what it means for you, basically. Um, and Alex, I mean, I can, I can throw some stats at you, I can throw some facts at you, but all I want to do is, from the outset, from what you've heard in the media, from what you see every day, from watching press conferences and the like, have, has the government done a good job so far in dealing with this pandemic? I think it's a really difficult question, and I'm not sure we will actually properly know that until, you know, 20 years down the line. We see so many news reports, and it's so difficult to make understanding, as we're trying to do on this. Um, but I was making a joke, actually, with my family, and I think this this time in history will be in the educational books in about 20 years' time, <laughs> and, you know, people will start to learn about this. Has the government done a good job? I think to an extent, yes. However, I definitely think there are some real areas that, that should have been improved on and it's just made it more difficult. Um, and I know it's hard to compare country for country, but actually in the news, and you see it so often, everybody's comparing between the UK and New Zealand and other countries where they've had tiny death rates. And it just makes it harder for us. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've now had thirty over thirty-four thousand deaths in this country, which is an, a devastatingly high number. I mean, the death rate is is coming down, but I mean, there was still give or take five hundred daily in the uh, in the last week or so. The new confirmed cases is again, it is coming down, but it's still high. It's really high. How how can this? How can the rate of infection, the the R rate that we hear so much about? If we've been in lockdown, which we have now for seven full weeks, it was the end of March, March 23rd, we went into the a UK. Long into time, a long time, a long time. Yeah, exactly. Time. A really long time ago. How can so many people still be being infected with this? Does that mean people are not following lo- the lockdown instructions? Or does it mean that they were too light? Or does it mean that it's just being passed on from a care environment all the time? No, I think there's probably two bits here. And I'll see if you agree with me on this. But I think there is the government... And Boris, as much as I am a fan, he he hasn't been clear enough with people in the UK. And I know people always say that we're not stupid people and we have common sense, which we do. But in these times, there needs to be clear instructions. It's not fair to tell the, the general public that we can go and meet somebody from out of our household in a park, yet you can't see somebody in a garden there is no real difference and that doesn't help what i also think though that hasn't helped with the r number is that there really are some idiots who haven't obeyed social distancing um you know we both saw it when it first came out uh manchester people were having parties yeah i I don't think parties would be the first thing i'd look to do when we've got a global pandemic so i i think we probably not helped ourselves in the foot. 
but I think if you if you if I ask the question to you and I and you put yourself in in Boris's shoes yeah what what do you do because you've got to try and give people optimism and hope to show yeah. that measures can be reduced yeah. but you've got to balance the economy which we're not yeah. you know we're not making money mm-hmm. and you've got to balance public health so where that balance falls i mean i'm glad it's not me making the decision and i yeah. i'm not sure what you'd do in that situation as well yeah i mean it's virtually an impossible job isn't it i mean he could do he could do one thing and i mean there are probably people who who right now with exactly what he's done wholeheartedly agree with it but yeah there are going to be people who disagree with every single thing he's said and done i think whatever decision he he makes or has made throughout this people would agree and disagree differently with every single part of it. And I think that makes it really difficult for him to actually try and unite everybody at this difficult time. I think what the, but I think what we also have to remember is he hasn't done a bad job because there are world and country, well, country leaders, um, you know, in the likes of Brazil who have said that they think it's just a bit like a, a strong flu. And I'm not sure yeah. COVID is particularly at that level. And you've got the USA again with Mr. Trump, um, who I don't think has, has got a great handle on it. So as much as we've had difficulties, I don't think we've had, we could be in a worse situation. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, I, I, there was a video going around over the, over the weekend of, um, of the leader in Belgium driving into a hospital and the nurses who are outside all turned their backs because he drove past because they disagree with what he's saying. Cause I think he's, He's um he's bringing nurses and, and medical staff in from other countries, and I think the people who work on the front line in Belgium and obviously doing such a fantastic job. Everybody who works on the front line is doing such a fantastic job and trying their best. I think they were a bit disheartened, really, that he's bringing more. Sorry, that she's bringing more people in. Yeah, but it's yeah. an impossible job. I, 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 one thing that I do think is really accountable in this situation, which hasn't really been spoken about, is the media, and mm-hmm. actually all you ever see and it gets so boring and depressing <laughs> is you turn on and it's the BBC news and they talk about the death rate constantly, constantly, constantly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as much as you need to know these facts, there is mm-hmm. nothing being said about mental health and, yeah. and how this impacts everybody because, you know, where's, should I say, Colonel Tom Moore gone all of a sudden? Yes. He disappeared yeah, exactly. because he's achieved what he was meant to do. There is yeah. very little discussion around what positivity, what hope is, has, been ha- has been happening. Nobody's really shouting the fact that the, the environmental impact is improving. We're mm-hmm. all just so negative. And I think that would have a lot of an impact if, if we try to change the table of what's reported rather than mm-hmm. the same messages. Yeah, no, I agree with that entirely. Um, <clears throat> you said earlier that, we, that perhaps we, we won't know for about you know, 20 years if, if the government's done, done well or not. And I think that's a totally fair comment to make. I don't think it could be perfect. I don't think it, it, it'll be 20 years, but you know, it, it's going to be a long time. It could potentially be even longer. But, but when you look back over the last, well, so far in 2020, for example, the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, missed five COBRA meetings, the first of which was on January 24th. On that day, he hosted a Chinese New Year event. Um, wow. He's just the sort of person, exactly, it's the sort of thing that, does, that perhaps you're not aware of. But is he going to be almost solely responsible for how bad this has got because of how he 
presented himself almost. He missed five COVID meetings before he attended his first on March the 2nd. Yet on March the 7th, five days after that, the first one he attended after missing five, he was part of an 82,000 crowd at a Six Nations rugby match. And then in the following week, he allowed 3,000 Atletico Madrid fans, where Spain, of course, were, t- were doing uh, their, their peak, obviously came, came before ours. Yeah. 3,000 of their fans were allowed to travel to Liverpool for Champions League game. And in that week, a quarter of a million people attended the Cheltenham Festival. So, I mean, Boris Johnson has missed, I, I keep saying it's such, it is such a big number, missed five Cobra meetings. He then finally attended one on March the 2nd, but for two weeks after that, he allowed a mass gathering, huge, huge, huge attendance of the people to still come together. Does, will this responsibility in this year's time, 20 years time, whatever it is, where we can reflect and look back, how much of this blame for these reasons should fall directly on Boris Johnson's shoulders? Yeah, and I, you know, I, I'm not a massive believer that it all should go onto his shoulders because and that might be against popular opinion, but I don't think you can put it all on one person. Okay, he's he's definitely, you know, I didn't realise he'd missed that many COBA meetings, but he has to um, deputise. And yeah. in my opinion, if his cabinet is not as capable of being able to support him and make decisions and be involved in that process, then he's chosen the wrong people to be in there. And I actually think, you know, when he, he, he was taken ill, um, Dominic Raab and uh, the other members of the cabinet stepped up. And, and I think that that was fantastic. I think one thing that you have to commend Boris for is that he has based all of these decisions on science. And when yeah. the science has told them that. So, you know, I personally could say that I think we should have locked down and we should have stayed locked down for a lot longer. But if the science is saying that we're able to start, you know, reopening things, then, you know, fair play. You've got to start doing that things for the economy, for other for the aspects. It's just very difficult of balancing, you know, everything else within within the nation. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, hopefully people who who are listening will all have their own opinions with no we all do. Nobody's opinion is right and nobody's opinion is wrong. And that's kind of the brilliant thing about, about politics really is that you could probably have everybody in the country. I don't think you'd find two people who exactly agree with every single thing there is to agree on politically. But hopefully we're sort of giving you an, a different opinion. It's something else you know, to go at a bit with this. But I mean, I do entirely get what, get what you're saying. I mean, there's people in my opinion who have, who have led various different press conferences uh, the education secretary, the transport secretary, who I think present themselves really well. Then you go on Twitter afterwards and you see that they're trending with 20,000 tweets. And a lot of them are saying, oh, not too confident about this person, not too confident about that person. I mean, if you were in government, and I'm very grateful that I'm not at a time like <laughs> this, because you'd be heavily scrutinised for every single decision, and sometimes rightly and sometimes wrongly, in my opinion. How, how, how do you deal with this if you were one of them people that was in government and on the cabinet, how would you, how would you deal with trying to bring together everybody when so many people have such a differing opinion across all parts of the spectrum? I'm not sure how you deal with it. Um, there are a lot of th- balls you've got to keep up in the air, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and this is where they earn their money. I don't think they're getting yes. paid enough actually um, for, for what they're dealing with. Um, 
I think, controversial, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a really difficult uh, position to be in because you have to try and give transparency to the people. Yeah. But if you give too much transparency, perhaps, um, it could cause mass outrage and mm-hmm. you know, it could be, cause mass panic. And you have to try and give responsibilities to the right people. You know, it, it frustrates me a little bit when you watch the, the media briefings and they never answer the question <laughs> properly. Yeah. It's a yeah. typical politician. They never answer the question. Um, I mean, in all fairness, Laura Koonsberg annoys me a little bit because she has asked some ridiculous questions because I remember one where she asked about uh, when will the lockdown end? Well, they, they don't know that, do they? So yeah, you've wasted exactly. your question. It doesn't yeah. make sense to ask that question. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I just say, I mean, there are others as well who who do similar sort of things. I mean, yeah. there's been quite there's been quite a few people I think who have asked have asked questions about lockdown. I said when's it going to end? When's it going to end? When's it going to end? Virtually every day in a different form, and then lockdown be, began to, to ease, and suddenly they ask, "Oh, well, is is it too soon?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they they just talk the same all of the time, and it they could ask some really really valuable questions. Um, and they haven't done that. So I think that doesn't really help. And I think it also puts the government in a difficult position because they're, they're being asked questions and the media is the big outlet where everybody learns and finds out about what's going on. But they yeah. don't actually ask the questions that everybody's thinking about. Yeah, yeah. They just keep trying to yeah. bombard them and put them into a corner and put it the blame on them. And that's what I'm cautious in in you know, concerned a bit about is that after this, the media could put all of this blame on Boris and the Tories mm-hmm. because that's the angle they want to go to and it's big news. But actually, they've done the best that they could do. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I totally agree with that. I mean, I mean, I mean, on on that point, I mean, the the the, the lockdown began um, to be to be eased. Um, well, Boris Johnson gave his address to the nation on on the tenth of May, which was. Uh, last Sunday or a, couple of, or a couple of Sundays back now. Um, now that caused a lot of confusion. Uh, Definitely. I, I mean, I, I mean, I think it caused confusion in some capacity to, to everybody. Yeah. Uh, in my, in my own opinion, I then deliberately watched virtually all of Parliament on the following Monday. I watched his press conference in full on the Monday night. And I think a lot, a lot was then cleared up. I certainly don't think that everything was cleared up. Do you think the fact that this was confusing was just a bit of, um, a bit of being slightly inept, perhaps across across government, not quite knowing exactly what to do in certain situations. Do you think that actually the the media, perhaps as as a whole, kind of forced them into saying something when they weren't quite ready to say something? I don't think the media helps, but I think the for me the big part of this is the whole um, the whole you know, uh, speech that he made, it just doesn't fit well that he's not aligned to the Wales, Scotland and Northern Ireland. Yeah. That shoots everything. And I was actually quite annoyed when, when there wasn't that, you know, they changed the messaging from stay at home to stay alert. Mm-hmm. I'm not a massive fan of that because no. I think it gives too much leeway. Like we said before, there are people who say they know what they're doing, but everybody everybody interprets what stay alert means differently. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I mean that hasn't brought, helped. Brought, yeah, I know I agree. They brought I mean obviously now in the in the press conferences, which some people don't watch, some people will have watched Boris Johnson on, on that Sunday and then not watched anything else since because 
they don't see it as being important enough, and everyone's entirely entitled you know, to do that. But they start saying stay alert, stay, uh, stay alert means washing your hands and staying alert means wearing a mask in a, in a confined space if you can't socially distance. Exactly. Uh, be socially distanced. That's, I mean, that's not how I interpret the word alert. No. I don't know about you. Uh, I agree. And I, I also think it's really difficult. I was um, talking to one of my friends this week and he, he actually found out there's, a, there's a, um, a street that borders on the English and Wales border. Yes. Half of the street is in <laughs> Wales. Half of the street is in England. So you're telling me that people <laughs> in one half have to stay at home and can only make essential trips. And the other yeah. half are allowed to go and meet their friends in a public space as long as they're two meters apart. Now, yeah. there is no difference <laughs> on that street. The yeah. difference is politics. Exactly. And, yeah. and that's, that's the problem. And that's where I think there's a big problem that actually people will start, you know, rebelling. Because, like, if you're on the Welsh street yeah. and you see all your English neighbours... Being able to <laughs> go out for as many walks as they want a day. Yeah. Or if, if, too, if they can't be down the street, they've got to go up the streets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you're going to get frustrated, aren't you? And it's going to yeah. start spiking. And I, I think that's not being aligned really didn't help him. I think he should have stayed in lockdown for three more weeks, announced the plan, but actually mm -hmm. said, we're thinking about this plan over the next three weeks. We're going yeah. to work on some of the finer details and reach out to industry experts. And then in June, we'll start to release. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the reasons perhaps why he didn't do that might, might be the other reason that caused a lot of confusion, which was the whole back to work messages and guidelines. Oh. Um, I mean, there's been lots of funny videos circulating and saying, stay at home, but don't stay at home, go to work, but don't go to work and them sorts of things. And they're all, they're, you know, they're all, they're all quite, quite amusing. Um, but I mean, I've, I've, I've got the government guidelines in front of me on, on back to work. And there's one thing particularly that really I don't understand. So, I mean, there's six bullet points here. Back to work guidelines, in essential retail, such as and the supermarket construction, uh, manufacturing research, uh, tradesmen, facilitating trade or transport. But the bottom bullet point says, and so on. And now, so I've, on. And so on. I mean, that's where that's exactly where confusion is going to come from. Because if someone doesn't know if they're in that bullet point, how can they know what to do? And I get that the prime minister said um, that it doesn't mean he doesn't mean that you should go back to work definitely. He means you should ring up your employer, which wasn't made clear straight away. But you should ring up your employer, see if you can go to work. Is it safe to do so? But that get that's putting a lot of faith into employers who need money to, to survive in business, to keep their business yep. afloat. Yep. And you're relying on them to not put that first and to make sure that everybody can remain socially distant, remain two metres apart, remain fully safe with no risk at all. That doesn't seem right to me. I don't know about you. No, I, I agree with that. And actually, you know, I remember seeing the picture of the tube back running on that Monday morning and rammed, yeah. rammed carriages. Yeah. Well, I'm not being free. That does not you know give a good message for social distancing no. does it and it's just going to fly back in boris johnson's face on this because it's like you said too vague it's given too many people too leeways and what we actually need as a country is clear clarity and i think that's why other countries like new zealand have done really well yeah. they were really hard with their lockdown okay people don't like it no i'm not being funny in the uk people get told You've got to stay indoors for a week. Nobody's going to like it. But yeah, if you then exactly. tell them after this week, 
you're going to be able to go out a bit more. I think we'll all get on with it because yeah. what's going to happen, a bigger spike, and then all of a sudden we're just going to get bombarded and overrun with it again, and then we're in another awful position. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different opinions that you can take. There's so many different sides to look at it from. Hopefully, we've offered you a different one. But I mean, we'll, we'll sort of wrap this this sort of section up by saying that people currently in hospital in England, um, yeah, people in hospital with with COVID is is down by around 15% um, based on week by week. Hospital emissions in England down between 20 and 25%. So it is positive it, signs. Positive signs. Exactly that. And it'll be interesting to see what happens in, in two weeks' time to see if these numbers actually do increase with what is with the easing of the lockdown. Uh, Alex, we did say at the start that we were going to try and have, have, a, have a bit of fun. Obviously, it's such a, such a sort of hard topic. So we thought we'd try and liven it up. This is a little feature we're calling Alex's Choice, where basically, Alex, you talk about whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> and I've got no idea, and more, more importantly, I've got no idea what it's going to be. So this will be interesting, Alex. I know, so thank you. Um, I've actually keep this this one slightly loosely linked to what's happening in, in the world. Um, and just to give a bit of background, I mean, I, I've never been a huge fan of uh, Greta Thunberg because I uh-huh. do think she gets quite animated. Um, I don't think she necessarily presents herself in the best way, so an advice. She uh-huh. could do it a little bit better. However, I do have to say, I think that, like we've mentioned the environmental impact is huge at the moment. Yeah. And something that I do want to call out is cycle lanes. Right. <laughs> cycle lanes. <laughs> very, very important topic that yes. we need to fully start getting behind. As okay. you know, you know, the ozone layer is healing itself. Uh, pollution is down. There's less cars, less traffic. I remember I went for a run and I literally saw one car in it's uh-huh. fantastic. Yeah. And London has announced that they were trying to be the largest car-free zone in Europe. So, I mean, go on, Boris. Fantastic work. Um, Extinction Rebellion have even created their own cycle lanes in Cambridge. They've put it on the road. (laughs) They've they've been going for it. Cycle lanes are popping up all in the cities. Liverpool said they're putting £2 million into cycle lanes going forward. Um, but there is still a little bit of heated debate around whether or not these are a good thing or a bad thing, because some industries, it's no surprise, the likes of the haulage firms and taxis and all of that are massively yeah. against cycle lanes because uh-huh. it possibly takes away their business and makes their journeys longer. But mm-hmm. I think we need to get behind this because I think if we don't, Miss Greta Thunberg will soon be back on our doorstep <laughs> saying to us that we've, saved some of the planet in actually reducing our carbon footprint through this awful period of pandemic but we're just going to throw it all away again and i think this is an optimum time where we can actually start you know investing in you know green transport and get people a bit fitter there's an obesity problem in the uk start getting schemes up for cycling get people where they feel safe be able to commute to their workplace and exercise. It can win-win. It's a win-win. Yeah, I mean, I find it difficult to disagree with any of that because you raised some good points. Um, I, I'm, I can't remember who the transport secretary is now. I, I, I forget. Uh, Robert Jenrick, I think it is. Uh, I think yeah. he announced um, a couple of weeks ago that that the cycle scheme going to um, cycle path to walk in scheme is going to have, I think, it's two two billion pounds. I think put into it. 
Um, and he said that I think that doctors are now going to be able to prescribe that might, the, that might be the right word but, but, but prescribe <laughs> prescribe cycles. a bike <laughs> yeah that might be the right word there but um, <laughs> we give bikes out to people who come in and with, come into doctors and GP surgeries with obesity problems it's definitely I mean, it has to be the way forward we can't live as we are forever the electric car is always a viable possibility but still just doesn't quite seem to be where it needs to be um, I mean per- personally from my own perspective um, driving is one of the things that I've missed the most. Is lockdown. it now, Asim? How, yes. Are you going to be getting on your bicycle every day from now on? Well, I'll tell you a very good reason as to why the answer to that is no. And that <laughs> is that I cannot ride a bike. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I guess it's something you didn't know about me. No, we're finding out what you wouldn't have asked. Um, no, I've, I've, it's, just, it's just there's two things that I've never been able to do. I can't, well, I, I sort of can't swim. I, got, I did get my five meter bike, but we'll skip over that. Can't I can't swim and and I, I, I for the want of trying I, I I can't ride a bike. But the last time, last time that I did, I mean I I managed to a bit, but I kept I had to keep stopping every sort of hundred yards. And if I had to cycle a couple of miles, you no, know, to wherever my workplace would be, I would, I would really struggle with that. So we'll get you some stabilizers. It's fine. We'll put it on <laughs> each, each bike. So um, and that's why it's quite difficult to disagree with what you're saying. However. <laughs> Personally, perhaps that wouldn't be. I think you do, you, you raise me. a good point that not everybody's going to be all for it, but I just think that actually, in the midst of what's actually been discussed in the main news, cycle lanes and the importance maybe it's the wider topic of how do we try and change something to be a better impact. That actually, once this is all over, people are being more cautious about you know recycling cycle yeah. cycling the environmental impact of everything that we do and this is an optimum time for us to maybe start thinking how do we get even legislation through politics and the, the government sector yeah. so we can start making the, the, those changes yeah i mean i think i think the uh, the, the stats that we see in the uh, press conferences um i think it's like 44 percent of people uh, we're working from home in the last 14 days or something like that. I mean, that's, that's, that's a lot of people. I mean, if those, if those people can, can work from home successfully, hopefully that's sort of thing that will be implemented. Yeah, once I mean, all this is I've been working over. from home since this, this, this kicked off. And I mean, I've loved it. It's, it's great. You, you have so much time back in your day to cycle, run, cook, do all of those bits that people miss out. And I really do hope that employers start taking a different stance on flexible working because the benefits for people's health is phenomenal yeah totally agree um okay so we've got about five minutes left on this episode one of the a and a take and little section at the end we're going to call final fives final five minutes final five uh and this is in my hands this week and this is what i want to talk about based on something in the news and then we'll throw it forward a bit it'll all become clear so i'm going to talk about uh, sport and football, really, something that I'm highly passionate about and I've missed more than anything else, I would say. But uh, Saturday and Sunday saw the return of the Bundesliga, German's top flight uh, football league. Finally, some live professional sports and professional football after eight or so weeks. Fantastic to watch it. I've become a supporter of Cologne. The addiction has been healed. The addiction has been healed. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that. But I mean... I know, I know, Alex, that you are also uh, a big, a big sport person. That sport is yeah. a part of your life. Uh, how exactly have you been filling the void that's been left? You know what? I had to start getting into shape. I was 
in awful shape. I mean, I'm very fortunate that my job allows, well, actually, no, no, I say it's my job. My entire passion is eating, drinking, and partying. <laughs> and let's be honest, yes. that does nothing for the waistline. It really <laughs> impacts it. Um, meals out in London has not helped. So when this came about, I'd always been an active. I just decided to myself, I just need to start getting back into shape. So probably three, four times a week, I've been running, cycling, trying to eat healthier, um, do home workout. I've done the Joe Wicks fitness thing in the morning <laughs> with my parents. It's been a yeah. family affair. So I've been doing quite a lot. However, yeah. I do realize that it's very difficult to try and stay motivated because some days you just think, oh, I really can't be bothered. <laughs> Yeah, well, the kind of that's that actually perfectly. That's what I want to say. Have you actually thought about making up some sort of sport game, some sort of fitness game that you can do from home? That is a really good thing. I mean, I've seen a lot of things like on um, YouTube and that where uh, sports people have like made mini Olympics and mini challenges. I'm quite, I'm quite wanting to do like a bowling thing through our dining room. However, I'm not sure my parents <laughs> will be happy if anything gets broken. Um, and there's always the classic badminton over the washing line that we could always try. So, I mean, it's definitely possible. I've just never really done it, actually. Well, I, I, you see, I have invented a little sports game no. in the house. I am, I am, and also I must say that we are doing this podcast socially distanced. We're in our own homes. We probably should have said that at the it's start. Not, yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I, I mean, I haven't left my house now for weeks. Even, even the direct side, I just think, if I can stay at home, I will, I will stay at home. But obviously, you know, you can't just sit around doing nothing all day. So I've, I've read a little game. I'm going to tell you what it's called. It's called Table Tennis Newspaper with Sofa as the Net Ball. It's the title of this game. That's quite so a long title. It just... is, yeah. But I just, I've, I've used that because then it says netball again. So it sounds like a proper sport. Little point. It doesn't really work. Um, so is basically... netball really a sport? <laughs> well, let's, let's not go there. Um, so basically, it's one versus one, like tennis. You each have a table tennis paddle i believe they're called or yeah. or a bat if you prefer you I've, I've got a ball scrunch up newspaper sellotapes together that's that's your ball and the sofa which happily falls in the middle of the living room acts as the net and all you got to do is just like tennis you've got to get it over the net and back and if it hits any anything on the side if it hits any chairs any furniture any cupboards or drawers it's out and it's first 21 switch signs at 10 brilliant game so where does the netball come into this no, that's just the fact that it isn't, it isn't based on netball. It's just the fact that then I could call it table tennis newspaper with sofa as the netball. Oh, I see. That's little great. Pun that's that wasted on you there. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, so Alex, I would like you next week to be able to tell us a sport that you've invented that you could play from home. Oh, I'm going to do definitely do that. And I'm definitely going to give your little table tennis with <laughs> netball a, uh, a go. I think it will go highly competitive in my family and things will probably get broken. <laughs> so thank you. And well, that just about wraps up the first episode of the ANA Take. It does. Hopefully you can join us next week. But in the meantime, stay safe, be kind, and we will see you then. Thank you very much. <laughs>